Welcome to the Homefront Podcast. I'm your host, Tori McQueen. I'm a realtor, an entrepreneur, a mom to five, and a bold dreamer, always on a mission to turn nothing into something. Have you ever wondered how all these other entrepreneurs do it all? Can they actually have a successful and thriving business while also having a happy home life? Here, we dig into the real stories on how to run a biz and a home life, how to scale and grow, and how to manage parenting and relationships without sacrificing your home life or happiness. After all, isn't that what matters most? Let's get to it. Hey, Candice, so excited to have you here. Hey, Tori, Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to dive in. Yay. Okay, so you're in sales just like me, um, but let's share with people where you started, how you got into sales, and take us to where you're at now. So my journey, I got into sales in kind of a really unconventional way. Um, I had my firstborn son and I just could not let go. Like I just, I just didn't even want to go back to work, but I knew I needed something super flexible. And I remember going to doctor's offices and always seeing these sales reps come in and they could just go open the door. They can go back in and everybody's like so happy to see them. And they're like dressed so well. And I'm like, I was like, I <laughs> want to do that. And when I had my son, I was like, I want a sales role. I want, I want to do medical sales so bad. And I got a really crappy paying sales job, um, begged my husband to let me do it. He's like, it doesn't make anything. I'm like, I don't care. I need to do it. Um, and I got into medical sales and took off, like took off. But it wasn't always that way. I almost got fired several times my first year and um, flipped the switch and became incredibly successful in out outside sales. And I took off from there, but I wanted more children. And in order to do that, I needed more flexibility. Uh -huh. So I decided to take my skill set to the online space um, at a probably a really bad time because it was like right at COVID. Like I was doing this as a side hustle for two years and then I'll be able to do this full time. I'll make it good money. And then COVID hit. Right. Which in, sometimes it's been like a blessing for some people and then others it's complete opposite. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the online space. But let me let me ask you this though, before you continue your story, I, um, you mentioned a couple times like, okay, well, I wanted to do this and I started out really crappy and then I nailed it. Okay, what did that look like in between? So like you got your sales job where you weren't making anything. Was it like phone sales, door-to-door -door sales or something? you know, very minimal like that. And then how did you just land your medical sales jobs? Because those aren't always easy either. I've been in sales and they look for something very specific, but what did that even look like? Because yeah, that's interesting. That's a great question. So it was an assistant position. So I was an assistant to the rep. So it was like a $20,000 a year um, job. Which is, you know, nothing. Which, where are you from? Where Florida, are you from? South Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to have it. I just, I had to have it. And um, I was an assistant. So I didn't have a lot of quotas that I had to meet. Right. And it was outside sales. What I was doing more like we were doing medical device. So I was delivering the medical devices to the patients. We did a lot of patient care, but also account. 
And then my boss was like, I think you can do this. And I got a promotion and that's when it started. I tanked. I tanked. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, well, and it's a big step from going to assistant to like, all right, here's your quotas. And you, it's a different pressure. I, it is a pre- it is the pressure. Um, but I think where I was missing the mark was I wasn't giving myself enough credit to be able to just ask and be the expert in my field. Like I assumed too much. Like I assumed that if they wanted what I had to offer, they would know where to find me or they knew what they wanted. I don't need to go in and talk about it, but it, it, my whole mindset needed a big makeover. And when I decided that I was going to be an asset to other businesses, instead of trying to sell them a product, that's when it changed. How can I, in what I have to offer, make their jobs and lives better And when I started thinking like how to integrate my services into what they do every day, that's when it changed. That's when I built a multi-million dollar book of business. I had two reps underneath me. I had all of, I'm in South Florida, so I had all of Broward County and I had a lot of specialties and I had surgeons that would never even speak to past reps that were, that had me on text. So you know, it, I, I think when you can look inside yourself and become an asset for other people rather than trying to sell for them, it changes the game. Oh, that's so good. And it's so important. And I do see this a lot because I'm in real estate sales and I've done software sales. I've been in corporate sales um, and other B2C sales aside from real estate. And it is interesting because I think where I see a lot of salespeople fail is they, I call it commission breath or like they just want to sell like that greasy salesman. They, they just want to sell. And it's like, are you being an asset? Like you said, to your, to your clients, even, are you helping them in ways that they don't even know they need help? You know? And that's where I think the naturals kind of come out and maybe not naturals, but that's where I think that missing pieces between those who are actually successful at it and those who are not. I agree with that. It's in, it becomes an intuition. I think selling in general, when you're an experienced and really good salesperson, that's all intuition. That's, you know, that's not scripted. That's not something that, you know, you learn how to say it that way, that you make it your own. When you can make it your own, people feel that. People vibe check you for the first five seconds that they look at you and they're like, okay, do I want to do business with this person? Um yeah, so I think that when you can intuitively sell, you get to a space where you can intu- use your intuition. Like it's a, it, it, that's it. You can take off. Yes. Okay. So I want to d- dive into first, kind of what your experience is with alongside this. What makes someone successful versus not? And then also, I really want to dig into you had mentioned a second ago, that you got into something more flexible because you wanted to be a mom. So I also want to dive into how being a mom changed your outlook on sales and what that, where that's going also. So I know that's a lot. And my mind tends to go like a million miles an hour when I'm chatting with someone. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to hear so much of their story. Um, So let's break that down again. First off, what are the keys to success when someone wants to be great at sales? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, The first thing is activity. Activity, activity, activity. A lot of people will tell you personality, but activity. If you can fill your pipeline and you continue to be active in your pipeline, you're going to have success. Now, you have to also keep in mind, you might have a closing rate that's different than other people because of the market that you're in, right? But success in sales comes from activity. Can you give exa- a couple examples of activity? Sure. Prospecting is, I always tell people, and I hate that word. I don't care. I will say, I will keep saying it. Prospect it like that's the thing that takes your business from ebbing and flowing. Everybody is purchasing courses and coaches because they promise how to get all this cash and consistent cash. And really the key is just be consistent in your prospecting. Okay. Now I'm going to break it down even further. What is, what is prospecting? Yeah. So there's a difference between a prospect and a lead. Putting out a tweet prospecting <laughs> commenting on someone's thing a prospect like because no. i feel like some sales reps are like oh yeah i you know what counts and they go for like what's the easy count mm-hmm. and it's like if you're looking for the easy count then you already know the answer to that mm-hmm. but let's yeah. share with everyone what count what what is prospecting yeah so if you know what who your target market is you know who who your a class buyer is you want to build a list of a class buyers so where do you, where do they hang out? Where do you find them? Um, real estate, right? Like if you are in commercial real estate and you sell X type of commercial real estate, what types of buyers are those? Who, where do they hang around? Who do they hang around with? And building your list to reach out. Prospecting is all about reaching out. I think when people come to you because you have an offer, your marketing is really great, but not everybody has really great marketing. So that's a whole other thing. That's a whole <laughs> other thing. Prospecting is building a list of qual or A class or even B class or even C class types of potential buyers. Building a list of potential buyers and reaching out is what you said. So yeah. Is an email a reach out? Is yeah. a phone call a reach out? Yes, a door knock a reach out? A yes. mailer a reach out? A DM, a reach out. I mean, you're rolling yeah. your eyes here. She's rolling her eyes because she. What? That's where people start saying, "I reached out," and it's like, mm-hmm. "Did you reach out, bro?" It's like, it's like inviting people to a party. It's like, well, I said something last week, and it's like, well, right. did, are you actually actively inviting, or okay? So I got you. I got you. So I don't consider a mailer a reach out because that's more like a mass distribution. When uh-huh. you email specifically, whether it's a batched email, I do consider that a reach out. A knock on the door is a reach. A DM is a reach. Anything that's strategic and purpose done purposefully from to make one part of the communication go to the other part of the communication, that is an, that is an outreach. Perfect. We nailed it on the head there. Okay. <laughs> so now that you gave like one of the best things is action, taking action with prospecting. Would you recommend that certain amount of people should spend a certain percentage of their time doing that in their business or? You're good. (laughs) So yes, I do. And it's coming, we're doing like this, we're doing this free webinar that this key secret. So kind of like telling your audience a little bit of a secret here. I do. Um, and, and it all depends on where you are in your business. If you're just starting out in your business, about 90% of your time should be focused on prospecting and lead generation, these, these activities 
And then as you move forward, move on into your business and you start gaining clients, then you come back on that. But generally speaking, I have a 20, 40, 60 rule. 20% ah. of your time, 40% of your time, and 60% of your time should be spent on certain things that are equal to activity in your business. Awesome. Well, people can look into what that is if they dive deeper with you. But let's dive into now your family life as a mom, because I am also a salesperson as, you know, and the whole reason I got into real estate and my audience knows this, but the reason I got into real estate was because my corporate job, they're like, oh, if you don't just want to be measured by your result or, or if you just want to be measured by your results and not your time in the office or where you're at mm -hmm. or being micromanaged, then you should do a commission only job. And I was like, all right, then. <laughs> as long as I don't have you over my shoulder telling me when and where I have to be. And it's all based on my results. Great. I was a top performer. So that made sense for me. And so I can really relate, but I want to hear from you. What did that look like as, you know, doing well, doing the career that you wanted in sales, and now you want to have more children? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you said something so powerful just a moment ago that I really resonated with. And I think that was also one of the things that I think I had reached a cap in my sales career as well. I My business was flowing and they the expectations were not as much as they were as when I began and before I hit my success. But there were still like questions of, you know, why are, why don't you have 21 lunches this month? Why don't And it's like, but I'm generating millions of dollars. So what do you care? But I think it got to the point where I, I was like, that. like you said, I just judge me on my results. Don't worry about how I got there. Mm -hmm. If if I'm getting the results. If you're getting the results. And I think that's so important because I used to be upset because I'm like, you are punishing me for being so productive. I can get my results in half the amount of time these guys can get their results, but you're on me because you don't see me. Yeah. Yeah. That was hard. That was hard. That was that was like I was bitter to the core. But I love that energy around either because no. it's no. it's contagious. <laughs> you don't want that energy. You don't want it for me at least. But yeah. I I really loved my clients and I love my accounts and I love my doctors and I love my therapists and I love going in every day and seeing them. So it was like very bittersweet. But I also knew that I wanted to expand my family and I couldn't be asked of these things if I wanted like your bandwidth is only so much even as a mom and it doesn't expand you just replace it with things yes and we were at a place where I could go full-time in my business now and I, we wanted more kids and so we did that we we left and I had more kids and the rest is history but there's so much written that we can talk about in more than one session here Yes, I know. I know. Okay. So you left your corporate to basically, you had already been doing the side hustle though, right? Yeah. Yeah. For how long? I did this side hustle for, I had Fisher in 2020 of March, a year and a half. Oh, right when everything broke loose. Yeah. Right? Wasn't yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. That's a whole so another podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, Okay, so you had your second son. I had my third. He was Fisher's my third. Wait, so Fisher's your third. So tell us how many kids you have and what their ages are. So I have three boys. Um, Alexander, he's nine. 
Dylan, he's six, and Fisher will be three in March. Oh, so awesome. Okay. So this was your last son, and you had little ones because they're a few ages, a few years apart. Mm-hmm. And so were any of them in school? I'm trying to do the math in my head. Yeah. So Alexander, Alexander and Dylan were in school, but they were in two different schools. Okay. So, yeah, we were busy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and I always get the question, like, how do you do it all? Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, all that, right? Yeah. So let's dive into yours. Yeah. You quit. You started You started going full-time in your business. What did your schedule look like to shift into that? Sure. I don't know anything yeah. other than to hustle and work and, and work. So I don't think that there is this, like, divide or that there's this line of demarcation that stands out that one was different than the other. Um, I got an office space. I got a co-working office space. And it was weird for a while. I was like, do I work? Do I go to lunch? What do I do? Like, I had no idea what to do. And what I remember happening and was being able to be there for my kids more and not feeling guilty about my work because they were sick and not feeling guilty when I'm working or they're home with me, they're sick, and I'm working off the computer. Like, there was this breathing room, finally. Uh, yes. I guess that's how you could say it, this breathing room and a more sense of control. Because you know this, as a mom, you're first in line for everything. Uh, yes. And I love that you touch on this because, you know, I tell people this, you know, there's a lot going on in the space of like, oh, it's not about the nine to five anymore. You do this. And I, I always try to tell people, it's not the nine to five that's wrong. Like, yeah, because really when you start working for yourself, you realize those are the windows of time that you need to work anyways if you want to sustain it. You know, if you if you don't want to work nights and weekends, like, let's be real. But what it means is you're not reporting to anyone like I have five kids. So when one gets sick, it's like it'll it'll take a week to trickle through a whole family, you know, sometimes two. And it's like you can't you don't want that guilt. So guilt by feeling you're letting someone down at work, letting someone, your boss, letting your kids down by choosing work. If, if your kids are sick, when you really want to be home, it's really that, that allowance of flexibility to be able to take time when you need it and, and take time with work when you need it. So I love that you touch on that because it's not about the nine to five or corporate. It, it's just about being able to ebb and flow as you need to. So Going back to the guilt, and you've always thought about your you're a natural born hustler, yeah. I should say, yeah. like you like you said, where does that come from? Were you raised in a family of workers that you know, did you have two parents? Did they both work? Like what did that look like? Yeah. Do you think it came from that? i I think it's a combination of things. So I come from a family of athletes professional okay. athletes. So I think that there's something embedded in my DNA code to compete. And that's that makes me highly ambitious. So I could sit home and clean all the time and watch my shows, but like I would be bored to death. Like I would just it would just bore me to death. I'm high, too ambitious to do that. So I it's self-inflicted stress. But <laughs> I enjoy the hustle. Like I take pride in hustling. 
I take pride in competition. I don't always have to win. I'm a good sore loser. I'm a good loser. But I think that it comes from the the athletes in my family and the competitive nature that we kind of all have. Okay. What else? Share well, more. You're smiling over there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, wait a second. Okay. So you come from a family of athletes. Yeah. Okay. Did you play yourself? Yeah. I was always okay. on either cheerleading. I they wanted me to play softball because they they found out who my dad was and I sucked at it. I was so bad at it, but I was like, I was trying to tell them, I was like, I'm not good at this. Like, just because my dad played baseball, I don't know. I, I watched. I didn't actually play. And they were like, no, 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 you're going to be good. And I was horrible. Those would be the two main sports that I played in high school. Really enjoyed cheerleading a lot. I danced my whole life, like competitive dance, gymnastics, like the girl stuff, like the, the girl right. comp- competing. So, so would I would you say it's always been easy for you then? Or what's always been easy? The hustle? Competing. Hustle, competing. I enjoy, I enjoy partaking in competition. It thrills me. It provides purpose. It provides me with a sense of like, this is for me. Like, I know that. Um, like I speaking, I can get up and speak and I can, I can kind of like uh, not control the room, but captivate the room because it's like still that competitiveness of can you captivate this room? So I think that I've always kind of been that way. Right. Well, I think life is a sport. I think that sales is a sport. I think that business is a sport. And, you know, I have one kid that like enjoys sports so much. He'll thrive like he any sport like he wants to play all all the time, like goes and gets friends right after school and plays outside. And I have one kid that just isn't into it. Yeah. Like it's not his thing. And I think the same goes for business and sales and doing that. I agree. Um, you know, I really agree. That's mm-hmm. profound, actually, in our world. I think. I think that because I can't. Sometimes people in the past have come to me and they're like, "My sales are, you know, down," or like they they come to me because it, it's too late at that point. But then you really get into it. It's like you're not doing the things. <laughs> you're you even like the things. You don't <laughs> even like the things. So. I think people get caught up in the romance. There's a lot of romanticizing about business ownership and a lot of like Ugh. not true things about being <laughs> a business owner. And then people get caught up in that. And then when they go to do it themselves, they're just not made for it. I, I, I'm just being honest. I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody. But the reality is they're not made for it. Um, it takes. Well, just like. Skin. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It takes thick skin. It takes that activity that we talked about. It takes that consistency. And I do feel like if you're going to be successful at sales, you have to have that, like, a little bit of competition in you. Yeah. A healthy competition. Healthy. Yeah. Hence why we like leaderboards and why we want to make it to the top <laughs> and why we're, we laugh at each other and call it and, you know, tease each other when we're beating them. Like, it, yeah. it is like a healthy competition. Like, it's competitive. And I know some people who are really great at at business, but don't even like that kind of competition. They they like it in other ways. But you own. You said you own two businesses. I do. Right? I do. Because it's not because I'm not doing enough. I have to add another <laughs> one. To the I yeah. have no relation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you an entrepreneur looking to start your own business? Then you'll need to form an LLC or a limited liability company. But where do you start? 
With Zen Business, the process is simple and affordable. Zen Business offers a variety of LLC formation packages to fit your needs, and their team of experts will guide you through the process every step of the way. Plus, they offer ongoing compliance and registered agent services to keep your business in good standing. Don't waste your time and money on complicated LLC formation. Choose Zen Business and take the first step towards realizing your business dreams. Visit my link in the show notes to get started today. Uh, what are those two businesses? So, And what the, has been your biggest challenge? Absolutely. So the first business, my baby, is the Selling Lab. And it's a sales training agency for women. We do sales training, but also we create sales training, digital sales trainings that you can plug and play into your coaching program. Because if you don't have sales, you don't have a business. So we kind of found this opportunity. Um, but we also do live trainings for brick and mortar businesses and small businesses. And then the second business that we have is a public relations agency called the Agency East. And it just fit. It was the missing piece to a well-rounded machine. And um, it was something I was already doing, but I didn't have like the acumen or the, the education behind it. So I hired a coach and built this agency. And I love it. I absolutely love it. You asked me, what is my success? I asked you, what was your biggest challenge mm-hmm. or what has been? I and I was prepared for this, to be honest with you, but it just hits when I'm asked that question because there have been multiple and a multitude of challenges. But for in all honesty, like being the CFO and like budgeting and capital and disbursements and just keeping a healthy cash flow and no like you don't know those things you do not know those things until like you make mistakes or until like you see that and insufficient fund a payroll yeah Yeah. like you know all these things and you're like so i would say that that is that has been the biggest challenge because that's sales is one thing, right? Like chief revenue officer, but then you need to be able to budget and manage that. Oh my flow. gosh, yes. That's a very that has been a big challenge in the past. Um well, especially think, when you know how to make the money. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, I can find money out of anywhere because I'm in sales and like yeah. anything can turn into money from yeah. here, from here, from here, get a coach, make more money. But <laughs> really it's like, okay. Make the money, but where you got to fill the holes at the end, like yeah. because because yeah. the money has to be allocated somewhere. So managing that money and allocating that where it needs to go, like firing people when you need to fire them, hiring people when you need that's to hire been them, hard. that's a whole nother game. Fire a man it, that uh, I've had to let go. It I've let go. Oh, that was tough. That was you know. There's. Right. It's See, business. It's, it's business. Thank you for saying that because I just had this thought the other day and I can see why people are struggling. They're, they're not making business decisions. They're making emotional decisions. Yes. And I think that's a female thing. Took the words right out. That was literally the next thing I was going to say. And it's, you, okay. and it's typical in our space where female business owners are putting money back into hiring a coach to help them with the thing that they're having the problem with but it i don't even know <laughs> the loss for words but like we get it yeah like i don't it's a big jumbled mess like she's over here trying to explain it to me and she's like ah where do i start where do i like 
how do I even say this? Because I think people who don't own a business don't even understand like where to start. But I get it. I have a coach too. But and, and I talk to a lot of like entrepreneurs. A lot of them are female. And I feel like a lot of them do get stuck in this part of it, of yeah. the expanding and growing. And, you know, you see some companies, obviously, I don't want to compare here, but I'm just making statements of these companies that scale fast, like startup companies, they scale fast. And it's like, what do they do? They're hiring people. They yeah. find talent. They're building teams. Like, but I feel like, and I don't know if this is a struggle for you and you can openly share it with me, the leadership role is very hard. And I don't know, and that has been my struggle, but I don't know if that's because we are moms and we're 100% leadership role in our household. So when it comes to committing to that leadership role in our business, I think it's hard, right? Well, I 100%, but I think when we become a mom, and I think you can agree with me on this, you're gifted with this intuition, this like intuition that's like tenfold than what you've ever had before. So I think we're, you know, like, I think we're, we're winning because we're superhuman. (laughs) When we come here in business, though, like, we think we're emotional, we're an emotional species. And the ones that can make decisions that are not emotional are the ones that are going to survive. And going, kind of going back to when I had to let go of somebody, I, was, I, I remember this so vividly. I kept giving her like chances mm-hmm. and like thinking maybe I'm being too difficult or I'm, you know, like you, you get in yeah. your own. Fix yourself, it. right? You're like, let yeah. me fix myself to adapt, especially if you're in sales. Yeah. Because that's what you do. Yeah. yeah. Because every account is a different approach. So you can do that. But at the end of the day, if it's consistently happening and it's the wrong person right seat, you you have to do that hard conversation. Yes. Have you read the book Traction? I did. Okay. I was going to say, you said the wrong seat. And I was like, "Ah, I got it in that. Which is a good book for everyone. If you haven't read it and you're building a business, you have to. It it helps you easily identify like how to structure your business and all of that. So yeah. I, I don't get paid by them, but it is a good <laughs> book. So I just wanted to share that. Um, but ugh, gosh, nuggets. yeah. Lots of nuggets here. Okay. So you have your businesses and it's been a couple of years now, you said? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what is your main focus with your businesses now? So for the selling lab, our goal is in 2025 to sell it. So what we're doing now is building a healthy business with positive cash flow, processes, procedures, um, taking me out of the day-to-day, mm-hmm. implementing a space where it can run on its own. And I'm not building it so that I can sell it. It's my baby. But I know where I'm going in life and I really want to focus on the PR agency because one of my, I, I always wanted my kids to go to show and tell or like, what are your mom, what well, you know, stand up and you're like, what does your mom do? And I didn't want them to be like, she sells drugs. I a pharmaceutical sales rep. Like, I was like, I don't want to do that. But I wanted, you know, my husband's a naval architect. He designs yachts. Like, that's cool. Like, how do I measure up with that? Oh, and God. if they don't want to go that route, they have another option with the PR agency in communication. So I'm building yes. this for them. 
Like that's what I'm doing. So I need to focus on. So that's the purpose of in 2025, we want to sell the selling lab. Yes. Well, and I love what you say there is like, if they don't want to do the other thing, like then they can do that. But also like what you're doing is you're showing them that you are taking a concept and you are doing what you want with it. Like, I mean, that's kind of what drives me. I don't know if that's what drives you, but it's like, okay, my kids don't have to do what I'm doing, but I just want them to see that I'm going to do whatever I want, whatever I want to do, and I'm going to make it happen and I'm going to thrive. So, and if I'm not, I'm going to shift directions and I'm going to thrive there. You know, I want them to see that that they can build whatever they want. So regardless if they choose my path, right? Um, and I think that's so important for you doing what you want and being able to tell them like, yeah, we I built a, an exit and because that wasn't the path I'm going and I started something new. And I think it's, you know, back, back when you said you were a, an 80s baby, I'm an 80s baby, but it's like people used to, the generation before us used to stay at their companies for 20, 30 years and then be done, right? And now it's kind of more of a time where it's like, no, you can live like five different lifetimes. You can build with all the resources we have. You can build faster, stronger, bigger, better in a tiny, tiny short time. Like within five years, you can get something off the ground and sold, you know, and you could do that over and over and over again and build new skills along the way. So you're showing them all that. Thank you. Yeah. They can't learn that anywhere. That's a that's a life skill. Sales is a life skill. And I think that there's something embedded in what I'm doing that that, it, that includes those sales skills that I've learned. Um, I will also say that another challenge has been the fact that I'm a sales expert and like people approaching me, they don't approach me and they're like, kind of, because they're afraid that I'm going to close them or sell them. So even for me, it's been a struggle in the online space, particularly um, getting a wealth of clients. Um, I've gotten lots of clients, but the sales cycle is longer for me because they don't approach me until they're like, all right, I'm doing this. Because they don't want me to like, they don't want to be sold. They don't want to be sold. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. So what have you done to overcome that? Because I, you're like, hey, you're online. You're being sold every day, buddy. They don't get it. <laughs> no. <laughs> happening. Um, oh. I've had to incorporate more of my personal life and personality into my messaging and come from a place of like, I'm human too. And, but I also had to say, you know, they're either going to like you or they're either going to love you or they're not going to like you at all. And there's really no in between for me. There's nobody that's like kind of on the fence about me. They're either like, love what you're saying or like, get the garlic out i but find I, that also i think that's just the online space they either want to hate on you or they're like oh my gosh like i resonate so hard with that and i'm like okay yeah. at least i'm helping people yeah i mean i think they have this um i think it's the strong people that match my personality they just get me so they've really just come forward and they're just like yes i also have found that people that are scared to sell don't want to hire me and they'll hire a marketing coach because it's not as um, straightforward. Like marketing is more attracting and driving traffic and visibility because they don't dirty word. Sales is a dirty word and they don't actually want to sell. So they hire a marketing coach. But then a year later, they're still having revenue issues and I'm going, I wonder why. 
I love that you say that because even with like the industry, like real estate, right? You do the attraction thing. You do get a ton of clients from referrals and ton mm -hmm. of clients from, which is sometimes part of the sales process that you, that you work on that coaching the, mm -hmm. the clients, you know, but at the end of the day, it comes down to your activities, your prospecting activities, like you said. And if people are avoiding that, then they are. And they are. The results, right? Ah, yeah, that's so good. And I see what, what you mean by people not wanting to reach out and that you're a strong person and you tend to get strong people. So my next question is, do you feel like as you're, whether in your proximity, who you're around on a day-to-day -day basis or online, you know, sometimes I feel like, okay, I'm the crazy one in the room. And I think a lot of things are just normal, like, but they're not. My husband's like, Tori, you're not like most people. Like the way that you think are not the same. You kind of are an outlier. And that could be good or bad, right? But I'm just curious if you feel like that. Yeah, right? I feel like they don't get it. Like, I feel like what I'm maybe I, I'm not I'm not conceited by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But I feel like what I'm saying, which is gold nuggets about 99% of the time, and it falls on deaf ears and it falls because it's not a quick win or it's not a... I'm not selling the dream. I'm selling the reality. So yeah, I feel yeah. very like outsider because I will not sell you fluff. I won't even talk about fluff. I will talk about what's really happening. And that comes off as strong. And I get that. And I've always been told that, but it served me really well. And I do feel like I don't belong in this online space. First of all, I'm an 80s child. Like, I feel really old. <laughs> On, on I think and I could relate to that. Like, also, it's this joke that I tell my husband. I said, I'm an extrovert. And I'm like, it's so not fair. I feel like all the introverts are winning online because they don't actually have to have real conversations. For me, an online comment, I get no high off that. Like, right. I don't care how many people like my stuff. I don't care how many people wrote me a comment or a DM. It doesn't get me excited. Like, me running into someone at the grocery store and like chatting business, I am like over, you know, yeah. through the roof excited. It's just that in that personal connection that I think is not the same online. Mm -hmm. But so it is a struggle for me also to be in that online space. And I'm working on overcoming that. But you're not alone in that. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because we're extroverts or not. Yeah. Well, I think also the insecurities, a lot of people get to hide behind the screen. So they're insecure. They're, they don't have to be vulnerable with their insecurities and like you can't see that part of them. So, so I don't necessarily think that they're introverts. I feel like it's more of a self-esteem and, um, of the, I just feel like it's more that than introvert versus extrovert. Okay. I, that could be it too. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just no. like, ah. It's the one thing I don't like, you know, but yeah. I love connecting with people in community, but it, it is like hard. Yeah. It's hard. Over but it. then again, like it's activity. I mean, you got to be there. That's true. <laughs> You're Back right. Back to the activity. 
And by the way, um, I was not calling you insecure, by the way, and you can edit this part out. I was not referring to you. Oh, I'm not editing that part out. And okay. I totally don't take offense to any of that. I wasn't. So, um, yes. But, okay, so let's talk about, are you, okay, you have a three-year-old now. Okay. How do you balance being a mom in your businesses now? Especially through this change of adding on your new product you know, with your coach and then, and like, you're kind of shifting a little bit. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I'm shifting a lot of it. <laughs> what was I thinking? It's like something that comes to mind every single day, but I think I had to just not give AF at like when the time I know that like four o'clock hit, that's like, I have to start shifting who I am. And okay. You know, because the boys get off the bus at a certain time and then I know that I go get them from the bus stop and then I have one more hour and I got to wrap up my day in that hour. So once I wrap up my day, we get in the car and we go get Fisher. Once I get Fisher, there's no more working. There's pour myself something to drink, start, <laughs> start dinner, unload the bed. Then I'm in mom mode. So... I think the balance is being, this is my word of the year, preparation. Just oh. being prepared, that success to me is the preparation. And I've, and I've had success this year with me as an individual because I've been prepared. I have a desk calendar and every day, I, what, what are my big priorities each day? And then I work my day around the, what are my calls? Okay. Who, what client work can I work on and on what days? What are my due dates? So really being prepared. I've even prepared Fisher's meals every day. I get a Ziploc bag and I put his chips in there and I put his applesauce in there, his plastic spoon, and I've got a big Ziploc bag for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And all we do every morning is dump that into the lunchbox and off we go. So like really being prepared with meals. Do you know how much it is that you do? You know how much it is to feed people? Oh, that's such a good tip because I think that when you're in business, a lot of it's it's so hard with home and business, right? Because you have to like prepare for your business, but then prepare for your home. If you're reactive in your business and you're reactive at home, like it, and sometimes it's leaning towards one or the other. Like for instance, sometimes if I'm super prepared for my business, then my home is lacking. It takes the back seat. So, so my laundry gets, you know, it gets done. I'm always washing it, but it might be piled up with all my children, right? It takes the back burner. I get the lunch packed when it's like, sorry, like I prepped over here hard in my business. So that took a back seat. So that's been a challenge also. But preparation is so key because then it allows you to ebb and flow a little more smoothly, right? I'm just a mom doing business. Like it's a real thing. I could chat with you forever on this stuff and we might have to get you back on again to just hear the updates on how your new business is going and how you're shifting through that. But I know you have a lot to offer people. So can you please tell everyone where they can find you and what you're working on right now so that they can tune in to what you have to give? So much for that. So I would love for everybody to come on over to the Selling Lab. We just launched a community and this community is very specific for 
women who have felt like they don't belong in the online space or on Instagram or have felt like they don't relate to other people or other people don't relate to them. They just feel lost in on the Instagram platform or really any social platform. We have free trainings, free resources, other amazing women that have already joined. Our goal is to reach 100 founding members. The membership's free, by the way. 100 founding members to join the community and bring yourself, bring who you are, bring bring all the lovely things about you. So you'll go over to the Selling Lab Instagram page, head over into the link and you can find the community. All righty. And then where else can they find you? Anywhere? Yeah. What's your your tag? Absolutely. So the, I've, the Selling Lab, we've taken my personal name off of Candace Consults. It's now the Selling Lab. Smart girl. Yeah. Yep. And we're the selling lab now. And then you can also go over to www.thesellinglab.com. That is the homepage where you can find all things Candice D'Angelo, founder of the Selling Lab. Perfect. And we will make sure to put all of that in the show notes for you guys. So if you guys want to like see it on the show notes and go from there, you can. Um, awesome. Well, thanks so much, Candice. I know that I'll be chatting with you again soon, but I really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Tori. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Homefront Podcast, where happiness is our true profit. If you enjoyed today's chat, please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. This helps us to learn, grow, and reach more listeners. Join me again next week as we drop new stories, experiences, and game-changing tips for your home front and biz. As always, here empowering you in business and in life. Until next time.